Philippians chapter 1. Do my eyes deceive me, or do I see Iris Ann back in the, in the uh, back pew? Good to see you. And that's your husband with you, correct? And Daniel? No? No, it's not Daniel, or no, you're not? It's, help me out. Okay, thank you. I was going to say, okay, so who is this guy that you brought along with you? <laughs> it's good to see you. It's a real surprise to see you. Are you folks up here for any particular purpose? Are you uh, just uh, passing through? Road trip. Road trip. Super. Good. I like those. I'm getting ready to take one myself on Thursday. So there's times when you just got to get in the car and go. Amen? <laughs> good. Good to see you. All right. Uh, Philippians, everyone, what we've been doing, I need to turn this on. I need to get my act together. See if I, I get I get thrown off by any little thing, and uh, and I know you folks are not like that, but uh, I get thrown off by any little thing. Word of God, <clears throat> that that we can guide and direct our our lives by. What I've found is this. If, if you operate by principles, there's certain parameters that you put around your life that, that determine what you do before situations come into your life. And one of the things that, that I have found to be very, very helpful is to decide how you're going to handle a particular situation long before that situation ever comes. And that's one of the things that principles do principles that come from God's word. I'm not talking about just making up uh, some, some rules and regulations for your own life, but, but making them up because they have a basis in the word of God. And the principle leads, guides, and guides you in a direction to go down uh, in a particular, a particular road in life so that your life will please and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we're going to look at tonight it's called the principle of excellence, and you'll see why as we read the scripture tonight. Philippians chapter 1, let's all stand together with me if you would. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. It says in verse 9, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet more in, in, in more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, as we come to your word tonight, we pray that we come with submissive hearts, with hearts that have a desire to want to honor and glorify and please you by our lives. Uh, Father, I pray that, that you would give, give us wisdom from above tonight, that we would understand, uh, first of all, this, this principle of, uh, of excellence that you require of us, and then secondly, uh, that we would see how it would fit into individual areas of our lives. Lord, I, I'm so thankful for the for the Holy Spirit of God who leads us and guides us and directs us and shows us very clearly uh, how Scripture applies 
in our personal lives. And Lord, I pray that you do that for us tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would be exalted, lifted up, and glorified in, in everything that's said and done. We love you. We're so thankful that you're our Savior and you're our God. Bless this time together in your word. Now we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. One of the things that should not, yeah, am I still not on? Okay, now we're on. Okay, I must have, I must have tapped it before I put it back in. Um, one of the things that should not be tolerated in, uh, in our Christian lives is complacency. And complacency is just simply the attitude uh, of, uh, uh, of only you know, desiring to do what's necessary to get by. Yes, God requires I do this, so I'll do just whatever I need to do so that uh, I can fulfill his requirement. That's complacency. Um, complacency is when we kind of get settled on, in a rut and we do things by rote rather than doing them really from the heart. And we ought to do the, the very best that we can with what God has given us so that we can please the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if, God, if the Lord is your Savior, um, you, you ought to have a desire in your heart to not just serve him, but serve him in the very best way that you possibly can. And, and really, our example for this is Christ himself. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me. Keep your finger here, but turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. And in Hebrews 8, I want you to look with me down in verse 6. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6. It says, But now hath he, speaking of Jesus Christ, now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. One of the key words in the book of Hebrews is the word better. When Christ came, he came to give us something better than what they had. He came to give us a complete salvation. He came to, to give us uh, not only eternal life, but, but the, the, uh, uh, the assurance of eternal life uh, for all eternity. And, and uh, uh, whenever Christ did anything when he was on this earth, he never did less than his best. Uh, when he healed people, he healed them completely, not, not partially. It was always completely and totally. When he fed folks, uh, he fed the 5,000, and then later he fed the 4,000. When he, when he did that, everyone not only got food, but it said they were filled. They were filled. Uh, you know, they, they didn't just get enough to get them by to the next meal. They, they, they had a full meal, and they, they got full because of the, the food that, that the Lord Jesus provided for them. When he died, he died for not some of our sin, not even most of our sin. He died for all of our sin, and all God's people said, amen, <laughs> amen. that's good. Uh, you know, he died for our past sins, our present sins, and even the sins we hadn't committed yet. Uh, he, when he turned the water into wine, 
He turned it into good wine. And that means it was grape juice. That does not mean that it was, that it was an alcoholic beverage. But he turned it into the good stuff. In fact, one of the things that, the, that was commented at that wedding at Cana was that, uh, you know, usually they, uh, they give the good stuff at the beginning of the wedding and then, then they, they uh, tone it down later on as the wedding, go, as the wedding feast goes on. He says, no, you brought out the best stuff now. So he, was, he always did his best and left us an example. He never, never left the job undone. If he started something, he always finished it, and he finished it with excellency. We are to choose excellent things. If you look back with me on, on verse 10 of Philippians chapter 1, it says that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Uh, we ought to not just look at, at good things, and, 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 uh, 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 but we ought to look at, at excellent things. And there's a difference between good and excellent. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And look with me beginning in verse uh, 28. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says, and, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, uh, diversities of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of, of miracles, have all the gifts of healing. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I to you a more excellent way. And then he tells them what the more excellent thing is that they ought to desire. Verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So he says, choose the best gifts, and desire those gifts, and then take a hold of the more excellent way. Not just a good way, but an excellent way. Uh, back in, in Philippians chapter 1 and verses 9 through 11, there are things that, that he says that we ought to choose that are excellent. We ought to choose love. We ought to have excellent love. We ought to have excellent judgment. We ought to have excellent sincerity. In other words, no one should doubt your motives. Your motives ought to be to please and honor Jesus Christ in your life. Uh, you ought to be without offense, and that's an excellent attitude to have. And then, and then righteousness. Uh, all of those things ought to be chosen as excellent, excellent things. So the principle is real simple. It's really not a complicated principle at all but it's one that we need to incorporate in every area of our life. The principle is God deserves my very best in every area of my life. And some of the areas that you could look at tonight and just ask yourself, am I giving God my very best? Am I, am I, am I uh, striving to be excellent in these areas? Your thought life, what do you, what do you think about when, when, you're, when your uh, uh, mind is put into idle and when you have time to allow your thoughts to drift, where do they drift to? Do they drift to excellent things or just simply good things or maybe even sinful things, which is even worse? 
Uh, what about your speech? Uh, our speech ought to not just be proper and right and good, but it ought to be excellent. It ought to be one that, uh, that is impeccable and that pleases the Lord Jesus Christ. I notice that word excellent is used a lot in the book of Proverbs. And, and most of the time when it's used, it's used in conjunction with speech. Uh, God wants our speech to be with, with, without, without uh, any kind of, uh, of sinful thoughts or ideas behind it. Uh, it, it, ought to be, it ought to be excellent speech. Uh, when it comes to your job, uh, do you do your job in an excellent fashion? Or do you say, well, I know what the, what the boss requires, and I do what I've been told to do. That's not good enough. According to the scriptures, we're supposed to strive to be not just good, not just do the job, but do so in an, in an excellent fashion. I can, I can remember uh, the very first job I had after being a paper boy. Uh, was was working and I didn't work there very long because the boss was was pretty uh, pretty pretty rough. Uh, uh, he did not treat his employees well and he did some things that that were extremely unethical and so I I found myself uh, not not staying there for very long. But there was one thing that he did that I, I thought was really good, and that is uh, he said you know you're going to have you're going to have busy times and then you're going to have down times. He says, when you have the downtime, always look for something to do. Always look for something that needs to be cleaned. Always look for something that, that needs to be taken care of. Look for a job that, that uh, maybe uh, because the time was busy prior, uh, you, can, you can go and take care of that now. Uh, that is a, really is, a, is an excellent way of looking at, at your work uh, when it comes to your family. We ought to be excellent in the, in the relationships that we have and uh, the way that we treat our family. When it comes to giving, we ought to be excellent in our giving. We ought to, be, we ought to show excellence with the friends that we pick, with the music that we listen to. Uh, when we witness, we ought to witness in an excellent fashion. One of the things I appreciate about, about this church is that uh, anytime I put someone with somebody who needs to hear the gospel, whether it be an altar worker or uh, you know someone comes along and says, I want to know how to be saved, and I put them with somebody, uh, or you go work the, uh, uh, the, the fair booth we've worked before in times past, uh, you don't just run them through the plan of salvation. You're thorough. You know what that is? That's being excellent. It's being excellent, not just and not just going through and giving them four points and, and uh, saying, "Do you want to trust Christ as Savior?" Uh, you make sure that you're thorough. That's having a, a striving for excellence uh, in your witnessing. When it comes to helping others, again, do you help them just enough that to full? to barely fulfill their needs, or do you go above and beyond that and you go into the area of excellence? When it comes to ministry, when we minister for the Lord uh, here, here at the church, do we, again, do we just do enough to be pleasing and get by, or do we strive for excellence? Uh, housework, schoolwork, anything that we put our hands to, we ought to strive to be excellent. Um, take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We talked about this a little bit on Wednesday night. 
and this really applies in this principle as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and look down in verse 12. Uh, one of the problems that the Corinthian church had was that obviously they had a problem with carnality, uh, they had a problem with worldliness, but they also had a problem with being more concerned about what others thought than they were concerned about what the Lord thought. And in verse 12, he says this, he says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves were not wise. Comparing with others can cause us to do less than our best. Uh, you know, uh, the Lord begins to tap on our heart about doing a better job in a particular area, and we retort back to God, well, at least I'm doing more than so-and-so. Well, you might be doing more than, than somebody else is doing, but are you doing your very best? That, that's, that always ought to be, for a Christian, the bottom line. Now, there's some things that, that we need to remember when it comes to this principle of, of, of excellence. First of all, and I've already said this many times already, but it, it needs to be reiterated because don't just do enough to get the job done and to get by. Go above and beyond and do your very, very best. Uh, God goes above and beyond. Take, take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Speaking of God, he said, the Lord says about himself, says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. Uh, he makes it very clear that uh, when, when he does things, he does them exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Have you ever prayed and asked God to do something for you? And not only does he do it, but he, he dumps on you a little bit, extra blessings. And it, it kind of takes your breath away a little bit because, yes, he answered your prayer, but he answered your prayer above and beyond what you expected him to do. If you've been saved for very long, you've experienced that. I've experienced that over and over and over again. Uh, that's the way God operates, and he expects us to operate in a similar, similar manner. Take your, our Bibles and turn to uh, Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. This is a, a concept that God began teaching me early in my Christian life and early in my ministry. And uh, still, still working on it, still striving uh, to, to fulfill it. But Luke 17, verses 7 through 10, Jesus is speaking and he says, But which of you having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, When he is come from the field, go and sit down to meet, and will not rather... Say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, 
and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank, uh, doth he, doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. In other words, you don't just do your duty. If, if you really want to please the Lord, you go above and beyond what God has asked you to do. And when you do that, that pleases the Lord. That's a, that's, that's a person that has a servant's heart. He not only wants to obey God, but he wants to please him exceedingly and abundantly. Um, there are, there are uh, cultures that uh, in, in the world that uh, have got this idea down. Uh, you, for instance, you, you rent a house from somebody or you rent an apartment from somebody. They don't expect you when you leave that apartment, they don't expect you to leave it the way you found it. They expect you to leave it better than you found it. In other words, if there's some things that need to be fixed, you should fix it. Uh, you know, that really is a Christian principle. Uh, that's the principle of excellence. I don't just do what's required of me. I go above and beyond, and that's what pleases God. Another thing that we need to remember is we need to remember to use God's measuring stick and not the world's measuring stick. God's measuring stick is always excellence. Have I, have I done the very best with what God has given me? And, and the world's measuring stick is, well, have I, have I done good enough? Good enough isn't good enough with God. We need to strive for excellence. Go with me over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, it starts out by by speaking of us consecrating our lives to God, giving him ourselves as a living sacrifice. And then it goes on to spiritual gifts. After that, it goes on to uh, how we treat one another when, uh, when, even when we're mistreated by others, how should we, how should we properly respond? And in verses, but in verses 1 and 2, he starts off by saying this, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, he's just spent 11 chapters giving them doctrine. Now that, the, that he's done with the doctrine, he goes to the application and he says, I beseech you therefore, based upon what I just taught you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're to present ourselves completely to God as a, as a complete sacrifice and, and not conform to the world in, in any way so that I may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Not just, not just good, not just acceptable, but perfect. In other words, I want to please God the very, very best that I possibly can. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 
2 Timothy chapter 2. In 2 Timothy 2, in verse 4, <clears throat> Paul's talking to Timothy and explaining the fact that we're in a battle and that uh, we have been recruited as soldiers for that battle. What should be our motivation uh, in the Christian life? And verse 4 says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. In other words, you keep yourself free so you can be at the Lord's disposal. That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know, the, 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 the bottom line in anything that we do for God ought to be, is God pleased? And I'll just, I'll tell you right now, what he is pleased with is excellence. He's not pleased with just doing our duty. He's not pleased with just us doing good. He's pleased with us being excellent in what we do. And that's God's standard. God's standard is a standard of excellence. We ought to evaluate things uh, in the light of the purpose that God has for, for your individual life. I can't do that. I, I don't know all that is entailed in God's purpose for your life, but you do. And if you don't, you should. You need to get a hold of it. You need to know what your purpose is. You, know, you need to you need to be able to understand and grasp what your abilities are. What are you capable of? What has God equipped you with? And then last of all, uh, what spiritual gift has God given you? Over in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, he lists uh, some spiritual gifts after talking about surrendering our bodies and not being conformed to the world. Uh, he talks about the, the grace of God and he lists some grace gifts that God has equipped us with. He might have given you one. He might have given you more than one. But what are you doing with those gifts? Evaluate in the light of the purpose that God has given to you. Am I living a life that's excellent or am I just kind of, kind of scooting by, making sure that I do right but I don't do it to an excess? Uh, do the very best in every area uh, with the energy that you have, with the talents that you have, with the ability and the resources that God has given you. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 says this. It says, whatsoever uh, thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. In other words, give it all you got. Don't just, don't just give a half-hearted effort to the Christian life. Uh, do more than what's expected of you. And, and uh, do everything that you can with a, with a heart of wanting to please him. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. He makes it very clear. He says, I want you, I want you to do what you do and I want you to do it Heartily. In other words, you do it with your, your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole mind, all your strength. Uh, you just want to please God. And you don't want to just give him something that's good. You don't just want to give him something that's passable. You want to give him something that's excellent. And if you think about it, what did God give you when he saved you? You know what he gave you? 
He gave you an excellent salvation that has nothing to do with what you've done, but everything to do with what he has accomplished for you on the cross. He died for your sins, he was buried, and then he rose again the third day. He did everything. He didn't leave anything, anything uh, to be done. He just left it to you to trust him, to believe on him, and to, to uh, accept the salvation that he has provided for you. Uh, when God does things, he does them excellent, in an excellent fashion. And, and because of that, because I serve an excellent God, he, he deserves not just good from me, not just enough to, to say, well, I've done what I'm supposed to do, but he deserves my very, very best. In, in conclusion, let me just ask you three questions and then we'll get right into the invitation here tonight. But in what areas of your life are you settling with just getting by rather than doing your very best? You know, it's, it's real easy to get to a point in the Christian life where you just kind of put it on automatic pilot and you just kind of glide through life. Now, you're not, you're not getting into, into sin necessarily. Uh, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to do. But are you doing the very best that you can? Secondly, have you, have you allowed good things to crowd out best things in your schedule? God used that word excellent on purpose. Uh, it, it's possible to, to choose something that's good, but not something that is excellent, not something that is the very best in order for you to please him. And then last of all, uh, are you focused on those areas of your life that will do the most for God? What are you doing with what God has given to you? I was reading here just recently um, in the book of Exodus about uh, God calling Moses to, to let his people go. And if you're familiar with the account, you know, uh, God and Moses went back and forth. And Moses says, listen, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, capable uh, you know, I can't speak well. And uh, uh, he said, listen, send whoever you want to send. And the idea was send in anybody but me because I'm not capable. Now, the, the truth of the matter is uh, anything that God asks you to do, you can't do it in your own strength. I mean, that, that, that to some extent is a good attitude to have. The mo moment you start thinking, well, sure, I can do this. Man, I'm, I'm more than capable. That's when you have a problem because now you've lost humility and now you think, you think that you're, you're something and somebody. And we're not. But, but uh, uh, he uh, was willing to just kind of throw up his hands and say, well, I don't think I can do it at all. Well, you can do it. You can do it with God's strength. And he did. And one of the things that, that God told him to do was uh, he told him to take the staff, the rod that was in his hand, and to throw it down. And when he threw it down, it turned into a snake. And I, I, love that, I love that account where he met with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh had his magicians there. And he took the staff, and he threw it down. And then the, <laughs> the uh, magicians took their staffs and threw it down. And I've read all kinds of commentaries and all kinds of comments where they said, well, uh, we don't really believe that uh, the, the, the magician's staffs 
turned into snakes. Uh, you know, yes, Moses did, but, but they probably just grabbed a hold of a snake at a particular place, hit a pressure point, stiffened up, and it looked like uh, a staff. Listen, I can tell the difference between a staff and a stiff snake, okay? I really can. Uh, don't, even don't even test me on that, because I'll just tell you, <laughs> I hate snakes. I hate them. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I, you say, do you believe it was a real rod and it really turned into a snake? Absolutely. Absolutely. The devil's got power, okay? And, and uh, so he did that. But what I love what happened was, was that the Moses rod went and swallowed up the other ones. I've always wondered. I'm going to ask God when we get to heaven. Uh, so does that mean that Moses' rod turned into being about three times wider than it was before, or what was the deal? But uh, what did he do? He said, listen, whatever you have in your hand, use it for me. Take what I have given you and use it for me. And when he did that, he, it not only turned into a snake, but it swallowed up the other guys. Why? I like that. I like that. And you know what God wants us to do? God wants us to take whatever's in our hand, whatever he has equipped us with, whatever he has given to us, and he wants us to do our very best and do it with him in mind. You're doing it in order to please him. Um, we sang a song tonight. He's a wonderful savior to me. I'll tell you what, if that song, when you're singing it, and you think about how good God has been to you, if that song doesn't put a smile on your face, uh, you need to check out your relationship with the Lord. You really do. Uh, when, I was, when I was standing here, I, I, I started smiling and smiling broadly because he's, he really has been, ever since the day I got saved, he's been such a wonderful Savior to me. And he's done exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask and all that I could think. Doesn't he deserve that same level of excellence to the best of our ability from us? I believe he does. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray that you would get a hold of our hearts tonight and show us, and you, you have a great way of doing this in the privacy of our own hearts during a, even an invitation like this, showing us the areas where we've gotten complacent. Show us the areas where we have put it on an automatic pilot rather than choosing excellence in our personal lives. And Lord, uh, whatever areas there might be, might be, might we be willing to look at those tonight and confess that we have not been doing our very best. Oh, we've, we've done good and we've gotten by, and we've done our duty. But uh, we're an unprofitable servant until we've done the very, very best that we can with what you've given to us. Lord, take what we've heard tonight and connect the dots for us in our own, own lives and in the areas of our lives where, again, uh, automatic pilot and complacency have just kind of kicked in and become the norm. Help us to shake out of that and to decide to please you with, a, with excellent effort and an excellent spirit. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for the strength and the wisdom 
and the help that you will give us in order to, to live an excellent life for you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand with...